0: football is around the corner and we are ramping it up over here on the ringer nfl feed in the month of august every week ben solak and i will be bringing you not one but two extra point takens that's right double the trouble as we predict debate and analyze our way through camp and the preseason every monday and friday but that is not all steven ruiz and i will be coming to you every wednesday we'll talk about everything in the world of the nfl and who knows maybe steven will even have something nice to say about your favorite squad though, frankly, I wouldn't count on it. Subscribe to The Ringer NFL Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow The Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, at Ringer NFL.
1: This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles And your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com.
1: Welcome to the Ringer Wrestling Show official Heels recap. I'm joined today by a Slightly under the weather, Ben Lindbergh and our producer, (laughs) Jesse Lopez, to discuss season two, episode five. Who the hell is the condemned? That's not a question. Well, it is a question, but it's also the title of the episode. Who the hell is the condemned? A lot going on in this episode of Heels, but I'm struck by a memory that has nothing to do with pro wrestling. Mm. Years ago, I got a red badge of courage called uh, an MFA degree in creative writing. And one (laughs) of the things that they impress upon you, or that in my program, one of the teachers impressed upon us was that something had to happen, right? This was, when you're learning how to write or when you're studying writing, especially, you know, in your 20s, it's a lot of just introspective, navel-gazing, firsthand experience. stuff, And it's just like, you're you're very, you feel like the things that are going on in your head really matter to the world. And this one teacher is like, no, they gotta rob a bank. Like you know, they have to do something. Has to happen, right? Not just this conversation. This felt like maybe the first episode of Heels where something happened, right? Like it's not. <laughs> I, no, I don't mean that as a knock. The whole show yeah, has been we're stupendous. We're through season two. <laughs> yeah, hopefully something has happened. This, this season, we're finally like we we find like just the way that the condemned made his run in at the end of the, the last episode. Finally, a bigger. A storyline bigger than the squabbles in the pro wrestling ring has swung in through the darkness and uh, pointed its finger at heels. Do you agree with that?
3: Yeah. Do you need an MFA to write wrestling storylines? Do you think Jack should look into
1: that? Absolutely not. It's probably (laughs) a net negative. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, no, this was a momentous episode. I think we're, we're finally seeing this cross promotion come to fruition. We've got some developing storylines with a couple of our main characters and wrestlers. We even had stylistically, I would say, a bit of a departure from the typical Heels episode because the last 10 to 15 minutes this week, we're basically just watching the show by which i mean the show within the show right fwd and the dwl crossover i was just sort of sitting back popping popcorn just
1: seeing where the show was going to take us so we're we're really in it now this is really ramping up it's so strange because despite what i just said about something bigger than heels coming in you're right the whole last act of the show was the show it was yeah. the it was the drama was playing out as if we were just sitting in the audience watching it and Somehow it was just as entertaining for us, the home viewer, who is several degrees removed from the audience as it was for the people who were there. Um, we're all, it's, oh, there's a lot of layers to this. There is a part at the beginning of the show, well, we can just start the, with a quick recap, but the show begins right where the last episode ended. Ace has just made his return to the ring as the condemned, and in the locker room, the boys, the wrestlers, are confused and angry, right? How yeah. did we not know about this before it happened? And, and Diego says, uh, the first rule of Kfabe is you don't kayfabe the boys, right? You can't, you can, we're all keeping these secrets together. We're all putting up this front together and we got to be in it together. You can't keep things from us. But yeah. the argument, I guess, is that it made for a more exciting moment, right?
3: Yeah. I, last week, I think I mentioned that it was rare for us to be in the dark the way we were last week, that the audience doesn't really know a major storyline that's happening in the show within the show. But as it turns out, as we learned this week, we were not the only ones who were in the dark, right? Everyone was literally in the dark, but also Bobby Pinn and Eddie Earl, they didn't know, they didn't get the heads up about what was happening here and neither did some of the wrestlers. I I was going to ask you what the ground rules, what the norms are when it comes to that. Can you spring surprises to provoke the organic surprised reaction? I'm not talking about a screw job, like a, a really momentous, you know, we're going to change the outcome of the match necessarily, but something like that, a, a character swoops in and it it's not like the choreography of the match is changing. Like someone's going to get hurt, but just, you know, some, some surprise happens. Is that, <laughs> is that kosher?
1: Is There's, that absolutely, okay precedent. For There's yeah. absolutely precedent for this. Like when Scott Hall made his first appearance in WCW is as, as well, what would go on to be known as half of the outsiders uh the, the 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 story implicitly was that he was invading from the wwf and and they didn't want and they wanted to make it really feel like an invasion so he just walked in in the ring during someone else's match neither of the people in the ring had any idea that was going to happen and they you know wisely sort of backed off and let him do his thing it's not the craziest thing in the world for that to happen in pro wrestling and and you know the, the guys in the ring uh i think could tell that it was a little bit supposed to happen, uh, and so the, you know, eh, there's other examples too. Brian Pillman. I mean, we, anytime there's like a like a a shoot aspect to it, which is that like the wrestlers are on the microphone trying to say a real thing, you know, thing, you know, trying to break the fourth wall. A lot of times they'll keep that those details from everybody except the absolute need to know, so that the reactions that people get will, I mean, the reactions will seem real, um, and of course, so none of it will leak out. But the the reason why it doesn't happen, one of the reasons why it doesn't happen more, is because if Scott, when Scott Hall walks in the ring, there is a chance that the other wrestlers would just beat him up. You know, if like if a if a fan slides into the ring, I don't know what happens in this year. you know, in, in the modern era, but up and through the late '90s, early 2000s, if a if a an adult, an angry fan got mad at the bad guy and jumped over the railing and run to the ring, the, both wrestlers would just get together and beat the crap out of him. Right? <laughs> right. You, like you can't. That's what breaks kayfabe. So, I mean, uh-huh. you, you, know, you, you do run the risk of, of all the guys running out of the back and saying someone just came into the ring and beat him up. But I guess yeah. coming in on a zip line, kind of, <laughs> you know, mutes that response a little bit. Um, right. And also maybe that he was recognizably um, ace.
3: Yes, right. (laughs) I was wondering, I mean, someone must have noticed the zip line, I would think. But I also, apologies to Ace for calling his character The Condemned last week. I believe I did. I did not realize the distinction between condemned and condemned, but turns out no one else did either. (laughs) No, it's (laughs) The
1: (laughs) the Condemned. uh, I'm guessing a more copyrightable uh, phrase (laughs) than (laughs) The Condemned. Yeah, that Um, caused a lot of confusion. You had the crowd evidently
3: chanting goddamned and then bill had to go out there and clarify what his name actually was <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little labored but but i appreciate it's like the moron moran kind of thing but it it works when you are on the same page
1: you know the name is a little bit too cute i can totally get used to it but i think part <laughs> of what makes it great is that right i mean it, it yeah. feels like the product of a conversation between the spade brothers and as jack says in the show he's trying to he's he is taking the advice of Wild Bill of Willie and of Ace, you know, just to uh, and and trying to, you know, make it not just a one person operation,
3: right? Right. Yeah, I can totally see <laughs> Ace just thinking, what if we went with condemned, not condemned, but condensed. Just like it's something profound.
1: In that very first locker room scene, you see Ace explaining the character. When Jack was like, right. You did great. And he's like, well it's not me necessarily. It's uh you know, and it's there's a difference between Ace and the, condam- and the and the way he describes it in this sort of befuddled way is just amazing. Ace has a couple of moments in this in the show later on. I mean, this is such a minor point, but he asks Stacy. He uses the word nuance and asks <laughs> Stacy if nuance is a word. Like it, yeah. it, it's just his befuddlement is top notch. Um, yes, but yeah, the the name, the whole character, the whole thing is it's very pro wrestling, and the silliness is sort of built in.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ace does not have the MFA, I don't think. But I, I was going to ask you how wrestler autographs work. Because when Ace strides out of there and everyone's clustering around and he's signing quickly, does he
1: sign as the condemned? Do do wrestlers sign under their own name? I was a little bit confused by that too. For all the talk yeah. of kayfabe, my <laughs> my guess would have been that he would have left the arena. My assumption would have been that he would have left the arena you know, in a ski mask and a hoodie or something, you know, just to sort of keep that mystery. Um, Because, I mean, it's one thing if you're leaving, if you're leaving, uh, you know, the Barclays Center through the back exit, and like there happens to be somebody who like has an in with the staff and they get an autograph, like that happens. But if you're leaving, if you're leaving, you know, a small venue, where probably half of the fans are gathered out back just to, at least to hang around, you, you have to keep kayfabe right? I mean, there's, there's, yeah. there's so many stories about people causing distractions to get so-and-so wrestler under the trunk of the car for them to drive off back in the day, or, you know, I mean, there's the, you would want to keep this, keep it up. Now, I don't know if that matters now. I've been at wrestling shows of that size where, you know, wrestlers are out smoking weed on the, you know, by the back door. As soon as the show, as soon as you exit out, never get You could just go, fi- go by and High five them, you know, and (laughs) and just hang out for a while, you know, like they're all we're all sort of on equal footing in this in the modern era, especially the smaller shows. So maybe it matters less. But that that did sort of surprise me. But it was outside of the decision to walk out without anything covering his face. Mm -hmm. The rest of it felt totally completely authentic. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. uh, There's a lot of a lot of I mean, in in storyline in pro wrestling. There's also there's a, the parking lot holds a place of great significance, part, mostly because it's the easiest place to film. That's not in the arena, but there's there's also there's often like you know wrestlers getting assaulted in the parking lot, uh, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of you know heated arguments in the parking lots, and we got a couple of those in this episode too. Um, Crystal and Willie had a had an early showdown about the yeah. future of the women's division in the parking lot, uh, and and that was eventually resolved. Uh, crystal stood up to Willie basically it was yeah. just like and which was a pretty significant moment. And then mm-hmm. Willie came around and decided, you know what we should do? We should let we should book Crystal uh, into FWD. And well, we'll get to the, the big ending, but she ends up being a huge part of that story.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely a departure because we've seen a number of run-ins between Crystal and Willie. And often it is Willie trying to put Crystal in her place, right? And sometimes Crystal will end up acquiescing and and being submissive and saying thanks for the advice and the guidance. And this time she stood up because she's trying to build momentum as a character. And Willie was saying, hey, just take a week off, cut a promo. And, you know, she's also saying, like, make it happen. Don't just sit back and wait for it to happen, which is what Crystal was trying to do. I think she was trying to arrange auditions. She's trying to have someone to wrestle with in the DWL. And then, because Willie also had a a put down with Bobby, right, and called him dim or or dumb, Mm -hmm. that Crystal reacted poorly to that, too. So she stood up and she kind of called Willie on her crap, too. And her attitude. And yeah, not only were there no consequences of that, it seems like there was a positive outcome because Willie, maybe just because that's the kind of person she is, you know, like when you call Willie on something, she gets her hackles up, as we saw in the Stacy showdown in this episode as well. And so I think the fact that Crystal responded in sort of a Willie-esque way, maybe prompted Willie to see her more as a, an equal. Granted, she's also looking for a way out of a jam right because gully's not pleased about the switcheroo the new finish to that match and so he demands that the condemned come to fwd ah. and take a fall right and so they're looking for a way to get out of that and satisfy gully and so crystal's right there and hey we can throw her to the wolves she can handle it so it's sort of a solution but it's also a
1: pop for her so willie kind of looking out for her giving her an opportunity um I want to play a new game on the show. Uh okay. and it, for it be it just because it's pro wrestling. It's the game is called babyface heel or tweener. Now I'm sure you know these words. A babyface yeah. is a good guy, heel is a bad guy, tweener is somewhere in between. Maybe you should do it as a sliding scale. We'll see how mm. this goes without the sliding scale. Because I'm very you, you mentioned a couple people who I want to talk to. That I want to talk more in depth about Gully. Mm. I think one of the biggest revelations over the past couple of episodes is just how it, it wonderful and enjoyable he is as a character mm-hmm. but also you know kind of starting with the revelation that his daughter's got a college scholarship and he's taking her out to sushi he sort of you sort of realize there's a whole this is just a, 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 a three-dimensional character and not just a stand-in for you know he's not just a black mask you know t- twisting his mustache mm-hmm. is he a baby face yet is he, a tw- <laughs> is he a tweener or is he still the heel of this story I don't think he's quite a heel. I guess I'd say
3: he's a tweeter because on the one hand, he's got that lawsuit locked and loaded, right? Mm -hmm. So when anything doesn't go his way, he is ready to trot that out and say, if you don't like it, I will sue you into oblivion. On the other hand, he is a human being. Yeah, he's fond of his daughter. He has that moment with Rooster, right, where he's ready to tear Rooster a new one because Rooster didn't inform him immediately Mm -hmm. about the Condemned. But then when Rooster says, I was with my dad, Gully says, oh, okay. like, is your dad okay? You know, sorry, I'm about to ream you out here. I know you've got bigger things going on, but he kind of keeps it in perspective, right? So he is a three-dimensional person, even though he's kind of a a caricature and and he's uh, drumming himself up as God of FWD. Yeah, I'd say
1: he's uh, light and dark, right? He's he's a tweener for me. Uh, You mentioned Rooster. Is Rooster a babyface face, baby heel or tweener? Whew. I mean,
3: he does have the dad storyline, which feels like it was sort of inserted to, to make him more sympathetic that we know what he's got going on outside of the ring. But I guess I, I guess he's kind of a tweener, too, in the sense
1: that we feel for him because Jack really did keep him on the sidelines, like I think really? to me the big thing is like we didn't get his defection as a as a big part of the story, and so I have a hard time i mean he's almost still a baby face to me
0: yeah. like, he's
1: working he's working sort of like he's not just like a minion of Jack, he is certainly looking out for number one, but he's also he's also working in favor of jack uh and of and of duffy right um without. That without actually being forced to, you know, without being part
0: of that team. So I, don't, I can't decide. It's like tippy-toeing the line yeah. between both promotions. He's like not fully in the, you know, FWD or in the DWO. He's like very tippy-toeing, line of going back and forth, showing that he's, like like you said, he's out for himself. But I think that him, that that thing, it might have been like a, a swerve. I think that there's something else going on. And I kind of feel like Rooster's tippy-toeing between both promotions is going to lead to like something for him like i just have a feeling that this is all leading up to something down the line
3: yeah yeah he's he's like a liaison he's a intermediary he's you know in this uh, diplomat role because uh, he's been in both camps so he's the go between and and yeah he has more of a sense of, I think, the quality of the promos and the storylines than Gully does. So Jack goes to Rooster and says, Hey, you got to talk him into this because you recognize this is good. I, I think the show has gone to great lengths. The show that like Rooster knows what he's doing and he knows mm-hmm. what he's talking about, right? He knows his own value and quality and he's able to deliver the stuff that Jack finally belatedly writes for him and he's also his own advocate right he stands up for himself he advocates for himself well, so, that's just yeah.
1: it I feel like he's a baby face who just gets in arguments a lot right it's like <laughs> right. if it weren't for the fact that he was constantly he's constantly yelling back and forth at people <laughs> and right. he's in he's in a traditional role of a heel right and like you're the one that left you know yeah. but like he's actually sort of so okay we'll call him a tweener last one Willie and mm. I, this is a not a simple thing no, but yeah this Willie's, is tough. willie um uh, paid made a cash payment to a mysterious woman who turns out to work for the city or the state where well, whatever uh zoning the county yeah and mm-hmm. uh, the county yeah. and um and is 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 hiding things uh now open well uh, can you openly be hiding things i guess she she told <laughs> stacy that this basically the entire company the entire uh, DWL is based on, uh, it's a house of cards financially. It's all based mm-hmm. on, uh, lies and promises that King Spade, Thomas Spade, uh, exacted from other people and, and she's doing whatever she can, shuffling money around to keep ever to keep all the plates in the air or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the end of the woman from the county, right? Or that's, I mean, she, she may come back, but that's sort of resolved. That's, that was just an example of this, this much, this bigger spider web that she's woven. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but I still don't know if we're done. I, mean, I presume we're not done with that whole story, right? And if and if and if what we know to be true is the entire truth, well, Willie, babyface face or tweener? <sighs> that is a tough call.
3: Yeah, the D.W.L. A house of cards built on sand in the middle of a hurricane on a yeah. leaky boat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds precarious.
0: What's going on here, Willie? You want to know what's going on? Here's what's going on. Tom and I made an agreement years ago that we would do whatever we need to do to keep this place alive. And you don't need to worry about what those things are. Are they legal? Some are. Well, whatever those other ones are, we're not doing them anymore. (laughs) The DWL is a house of cards built on sand in the middle of a hurricane on a leaky boat. We do whatever we need to do.
3: Yeah. So she's she says we do whatever we need to do, right? And when Stacy comes in and, and says, Hey, you gotta tell us about this. This is the, the Duffy Wrestling League, like we we own this thing. This is more Willie's than anyone else's, right? I mean, her name is is not on the deed. It wasn't left to her. It's interesting that she mentions that King Spade maybe just left it to Jack by accident that he drew up his will when Jack was six and forgot it was still in there, that he didn't want either of his kids necessarily involved with this, but Willie's like the the heart and soul of this thing I mean she's what's keeping it going and propping it up, and so she knows all these secrets that no one else knows, so she's heelish in the sense that every interaction with her tends to be pretty contentious, right? Whether it's Willie or Jack or Bill or Stacy here. Stacy comes into this with with the best of intentions. She wants to help, she wants to pitch in, but Willie's just like, you don't know what you're asking here. You don't want to know what's going on because you don't have the stomach for this, right? Mm-hmm. So I think she sort of sees herself as a tweener too, right? Because She's a face in the sense that she's the one ensuring the survival of the DWL, but she's doing some nasty stuff to keep it going. I mean, like she says, you know, some of what they're doing to keep this legal life is illegal, that this just could not (laughs) survive legitimately, apparently. So she's willing to get her hands dirty.
1: Yeah, well, it's worth mentioning here that Jack has asked Stacy to come to come work uh, a DWL, right. He's like, I love having you around. Can you just do more? And that sort of legitimizes the interaction. I mean, I don't know that it needs to be legitimized, but when, when Stacy says, you know, this is our company, you got to tell us, you know, whatever. I mean, she's acting not just sort of behind the scenes, like she's now kind of taking on this mantle and trying to clean things up. Yeah. Uh, But you're right. I I think it's hard. I I think that most of the characters in the show are operating in the shades of gray between baby face and heel, and that's sort of what makes it so great. You know, and, right. and you mentioned before the, the the scene with Rooster's dad. In this episode, we get Crystal uh, visiting her mom in, in jail, uh, who says she, you know, her mom says, Oh, I should be there for you. And Crystal's like, no, I, I got this. It was a, I don't know, it was, it was it was nice to give Crystal this, I mean a scene like that, just to, just giving some of her backstory. Because she is sort of like there's this thing in pro wrestling where you just, like, as a viewer of the as of a, of a wrestling show, it's hard to imagine wrestlers as regular people, right? And sometimes they'll build that in the character, right? I, I mean, even in this day and age, they'll show pictures of them growing up and doing everything and being normal, just to kind of build in that sympathy. Crystal, despite beginning as a valet, was such the star of season one, and of course, at the end, the champion at season one, that it's sort of, you forget that she was just a regular person, too. So this season, they showed her you know, working at the, at the quick stop, you know, they show her at the, in the first episode in the flashback, they show her just sort of being a regular fan, just a a girl from a girl from the town trying to help Mm -hmm. out. And now we get uh, her mom. All this goes to create I mean, really turn her into a three-dimensional character, too, don't you think?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I've been wondering what's up with Crystal's family because we've never really seen them. It seems like she lives alone, but it's at her family's house and we just haven't seen them. So now we know why her mom is absent, at least. So she's in prison, but it seems like they're still very close and that Crystal's going to visit her all the time because from their conversation, it's pretty clear that Crystal's been giving her regular updates so her mom's supportive. We don't exactly know what she did, why she's in there, but that gives you a little insight into her background and maybe where her love of wrestling came from. Seems like her mom's into it too. So happy to be getting a little look behind the curtain with her. I'd still like to see, I think probably top of my list for just characters I, I want to know more about their backstories, see more of their histories, probably Willie, because we've, we've seen and heard some mm-hmm. about her, but there's still some layers to Willie that that I don't think we've seen. I'd like to know how and why she ended up with her husband. For instance, they seem like uh, an interesting match, right? Or or when she's talking to Stacy and she says uh she's talking about Tom and she says back when Tom thought as did I that this thing was going to be something worth leaving someone. So I I wondered what that referred to. Does that refer to her leaving Wild Bill for for Tom previously, I suppose? So I just I'd like to know more about that because she's the lifeblood of this thing. But but I'm glad that that we kind of came down on the side of tweener in that game with all the characters we talked about, because I don't know whether this is true in wrestling, but in baseball, certainly, and, and maybe in football, tweener is is sort of a negative term, right? It's like you don't really fit at this position or yeah. that position, right? It's like, you know, you, you don't quite have a clear-cut, clearly drawn character here. You should be a heel or a face. If you're a tweener, it's just confusing. You're not able to pull off either act. But in a TV show, in a drama, I think a, a tweener is what you want, right? Mm-hmm. You you want complex, rich, layered characters, and Heels is full of those.
0: I kind of feel that Willie is still hiding more, I'm questioning Willie's talk with Crystal and that I feel like maybe Willie sent Crystal to FWD on purpose, maybe? I don't think that conversation came straight from the heart, especially because it was right after she suggested to Jack to send her down to Florida Dystopia. So I'm not sure if everything Willie said to Crystal is, came from the heart. There's something going on with Willie. Yeah, I don't think that was a purely selfless move to
3: send Crystal to FWT. It's like, this is a solution to our problem, but...
1: To go back to what you said before, Ben, about the tweener thing, I mean, it's funny, babyface and heel are, maybe unsurprisingly, kind of increasingly outmoded terms in pro wrestling. Most wrestlers are somewhere in between on the spectrum, especially the really popular ones, but there are still clear babyface and heel. It's almost like a... It used to just be the ca- two categories, right? You could lump every single wrestler as a good on the good guy's, you know, the good guy locker room or the bad guy locker room, basically. Yeah. Um, now it's sort of like who is the babyface and the heel for the purposes of this feud, right? Who is who is going to get the crowds cheers? Who's going to get the crowds boos? Or sometimes in the per- for the purposes of the match, because um, you get a lot of good guy versus good guy, bad guy versus bad guy matches, which would not have happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, everything's on the scale now. And and yeah. I think that that's what we see reflected in the show, too. Yeah. Um, in terms of Willie, I think that you 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 want more backstory from her. But I think that what you guys were just talking about is the reason why we're not right. I mean, I think that there's certainly a reveal. There's certainly a lot of context to be added in around her. And I think that that is to come at this point. You know, we're getting some of her home life. Uh, and drips and drabs, but I think it'll be really interesting. I think you're. I think what you said is true. There's a there's a lot left to uncover about this, and I think this is going to be a huge part of it. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. The
1: show ends, and I'm uh, I'm skipping over the big wrestling thing in particular, but the show ends with the injection of this outside influence, this big something is happening story, which is that the social media company, uh, big city social media empire has come to town initially to just sign up uh florida wrestling dystopia but of course with crystal and ace there now he's super interested in them and he goes yeah. backstage and finds willie and he's like i'm heard that you, i heard that you know that you work with the spade brothers and crystal uh i want to get to know more about them so apparently some i mean well, I, don't, I don't know exactly what uh, the real world parallel of this is if this is like yeah. you know Elon Musk has come to town to try to <laughs> buy up all the small wrestling companies or something but uh, mm-hmm. yeah,
3: has there been sort of like a like a VC you know investment uh, initiative when it comes to indie well, wrestling leagues I mean
1: No not really and a lot, <laughs> uh-huh. there there's a lot of kind of big picture reasons for that one is that I mean WWE has been in business and so is AEW in business with with social media companies kind of in, in ancillary ways but for the most part you know, WWE just, well, sort of got sold, sort of merged with UFC. I know there were some VC companies that were interested in buying WWE when they were for sale. And the word I got is that internally, like Vince McMahon was like, I don't know what that thing is. And so, <laughs> no, you know, uh-huh. uh, he just liked the idea of it being a, like a major corporation that's a stereo corporation, a major, you know, an established entity. Uh, and And separate from them, I mean, yeah, there have been different. People investing in different wrestling organizations, but with WWE and IAW on top, I don't think there's a lot of people that are interested in like trying to squeeze into the space. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, those are when people say wrestling that they're talking about one of those two things for the most part. You know, and, and that's and and <sighs> these big companies like that aren't looking to build brands in the margins. You know, they, yeah. they would if you're Apple you would you might be interested in buying wwe but you're probably not interested in growing another one so anyway no it's a little bit weird but it is a very interesting storyline and it is something yeah. that someone should maybe look into just buy all the wrestling, <laughs> take it <laughs> right. over sure and then suddenly you have this foothold you know if you can distribute it that's the, the mo the hardest thing in pro wrestling is the distribution yeah you know? i mean AEW, the guy tony concert AEW had a lot of money what he had to work for was you know turner broadcasting to like find time slots for him
3: so well this company, Continuum, has its uh, social media app and streaming service. So I guess that, that
1: solves the, the distribution. Spotify, problem. reading video, you know, we should, sure. we should be the ones yeah. buying all these companies. Yeah, mm-hmm. why
3: not? But I'm excited for this storyline for a, a couple of reasons. First of all, love this actor who's playing Brooks Rizzo. This is Josh Segarra. I've mm-hmm. seen him most notably in She-Hulk and The Other Two. The he's, Other Two, uh, he's great. He is wonderful. It's it kind of confused me because he's playing a character named Brooks here, and in the other two, he, his uh, fiance is is Brooke. But mm-hmm. my wife and I were very happy to see him. Always like him and everything he's in, and this uh, really raises the stakes, right? I I like that things are ramping up. I mean, we're we're more than halfway through season two here. They're not slow playing this. I I wondered, I think, at the start of the season, like, what does this look like if the DWL does really become a success and, and ascends to some new stratosphere of fame and popularity, if this actually becomes what King Spade dreamed that it would become and then became disillusioned and bitter because that didn't happen for him. If it does happen for Jack, what does that mean for these characters and the scale and the scope of this show? So... We're a long way away from that, but it's an intriguing little bomb to throw into things here. (laughs) While we're all focused on this crossover promotion, now we have this outside investor potentially interested. It's funny what you said about WWE and some of the bigger wrestling outfits being sort of synonymous with wrestling. Because when Brooks is talking to his boss and is trying to convince her that this is worthwhile, he says, last year, total revenue from professional wrestling was $1.095 billion, which seemed like a very specific figure. So I Googled that. Apparently, that was WWE's exact revenue in 2021. Mm. So he's citing the revenue of WWE as if that is the total revenue from all <laughs> professional wrestling. <laughs> well, there was more so, then. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> so no, if anything,
3: it- he's, he's underselling what a big business it is here. But... Yeah, I, I was sort of surprised that, uh, I guess, you know, he's he's watching the show. He's at ringside. He's getting the VIP treatment from Gully's daughter here. And then when the lights go out and Jack and Ace disappear under the ring, Brooks also disappears because he's so captivated by the spades that that's all he wants to know. Right. So he goes up to Willie and he wants to know everything about Crystal Tyler and the Spade Brothers, which mm-hmm. is exciting from a storyline perspective. I don't know what it was about that that so compelled him that he went straight to them made a beeline to them instead of talking to gully who's his host here right
1: i have a couple of theories one i mean but just to put a bow on the Willie conversation it didn't even occur to me until you were just until we were talking that like he went directly to Willie with this so is this going to be is she going to be the gatekeeper for this and if so is she going to see this as an opportunity to try to you know, keep those plates spinning instead of actually Mm -hmm. doing what's best for the company.
3: Yeah. But then at some point, does it all come out that this is just a house of cards, right? Yeah. If if they're investing in this, then they probably want it to be a legitimate business. Yeah. So she'll
1: have an interest in this one way or the other, maybe both. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, it's unclear whether or not Brooks is now more interested in Duffy than he was uh, in, in in FWD, or if if he, he he mentioned he wanted to buy a number of these smaller operations, so maybe yeah. it's, this is just the next one on his list. But about what got him so interested in it, my theory, and you can see they go to him for his reactions during the match the, during the night a lot, and the, and the show uh, it starts begins with or the first thing we see is Crystal's match against mm-hmm. a an incredible pro wrestler. Named Serena Deeb, um, mm. so it was good to see her in the ring. Um, and then later uh, during the main event, sort of or the, the post match sort of promo segment, Gully comes to the ring, tries to sign Crystal. Jack comes out, she says no. Jack comes out and says, "Quit messing with her." And then Crystal turns on Jack. They attack Jack. She uh, Gully gets his punch on, on Jack back, and then you know Crystal signs with with uh, FWD, only for then the Condemned to make his big entrance. And there's a brawl. Lights go out. Blah blah blah. It was really, really good. I made that Mm -hmm. sound like it wasn't good. It was so good. (laughs) But I think for him, and I see this with a lot of people who aren't diehard wrestling fans when they're watching wrestling, it's not knowing where the line is between what's real and what's not. And if you don't know, when you're seeing these sort of meta storylines play out, it can be harrowing, right? You're just Mm -hmm. like, I know logically that I'm seeing what they want me to see. But because because I'm not used to seeing drama in this way, it's. It feels like the, the wildest thing ever. And I think that's what really got him going. I mean, that's just that maybe I never explain it, but to, but watching his face, it was a face I was familiar with. It's people saying, wait a second, is this supposed to be on? Or, or, is this supposed to be happening now or is yeah. this? Yeah,
3: <laughs> that was my face, too, because because of the surprise ending last week, I was waiting for another surprise ending here because Gully was so upset about the way that Jack, at least from Gully's perspective, screwed him over by upstaging the FWD guys by bringing in the condemned for his debut, I thought maybe Gully was out for payback, right? And, And that he would go back to his old ways of trying to poach Jack's people. So when he puts out the suitcase full of cash for a crystal... There was part of me that wondered, was this scripted by Jack or is he actually trying to sign her over here? And how could she say no to that? Because, you know, we've seen where she lives. It's uh, not swanky surroundings and all implications are that Jack is barely paying his roster, right? So if this were a legitimate offer, then it, it would be hard for her to turn down. By the end, we can tell this was all in the plans, right? But, but it definitely had me going there. And there's still, I think, some question about that, right? Even if this was scripted, does Crystal decide that actually she likes it better over there? They have a women's division. They're mm-hmm. better paid. It's more exposure. You know, It, it could start as uh, this is a work, right? And, and we're just pretending that she's going over there. Maybe ultimately she decides she, she likes it better, that the grass actually is greener.
1: Yeah, Um, so let's talk a little bit more about this. So so Crystal has a good match. It's fun to watch. And at that point, from this point forward, the whole thing just plays out in the ring. So Venus Cancer, her opponent, played by, again, by the great Serena Deeb, who's had stints in AEW and WWE, is their best female talent, supposedly. And then she basically, like, when Crystal gets the upper hand, she powders out, as they say in pro wrestling. She says, no moss, gets out of the ring. Uh, And that's when Gully makes his entrance. He says, I've seen enough. And he offers her a giant briefcase of cash as a signing bonus if she'll sign a contract with him, and Crystal gets on the mic and says, "You know, get, teases a little bit. this is like the triple tease. It goes in like you know back and forth a few times, but then she finally says, "No way I'm ever going to sign with you you know i'm 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 d w o for life <laughs> and Jack comes out uh and what was Gully's line right before?" right before <laughs> Crystal attacked him? Uh, he, he, she, you're not, She's not here to have your back. She's, she's here to stab you in the back or something like that? <laughs> right,
3: right.
2: Well, well, well Jack, it's uh, not really a surprise you showing up here tonight. I see how you're looking at Rooster like the one who got away. And so you're here now to beg Crystal to not leave too.
0: No, 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 no.
2: Crystal Tyler chooses
1: her own words. I'm not here to plead with her to say I'm here to fight by her side. She's always had my back,
0: and I'll always have hers.
2: Crystal's not here to have your back. She's here to stab you in it.
3: And then I like that he said, nice writing, Jack, right before he punches him in the face.
1: Yeah, so he gets attacked by Crystal with a chair. Gully gets to punch him in the face. Everybody starts getting their licks in. Oh, and by the way, you asked this before, I asked this before. Who are the Florida Wrestling Dystopia wrestlers since we haven't really seen them well we got a little bit of the answer today which was that they're the sort of like cast of uh semi-free agency available hollywood wrestlers um mm-hmm. the, the there was a guy in pink and purple with long hair used to be called damien sandow in wwe aaron stevens elsewhere um he's great he's just a guy who's like he he's like a wrestler turned actor sort of um nick aldis uh former nwa champion who's now actually working as a working backstage at wwe was one of them he's the sort of centurion looking guy who mm-hmm. else was there uh there's a, jordan, the jordan grace yeah, yeah jordan grace is a is a t- uh, an impact wrestler she's really great so there's yeah. a few of those the the hole is played by a, a guy named luke hawks i believe
3: who was in extreme pro wrestling well and so
1: Lu- luke is luke is a is a hollywood guy he's a pro actor wrestler too. but yeah. he is he is a i think he was the he might have been the head trainer on heels this season. He is a guy who He's teaches actors to wrestle. Yeah. Right. Um yeah. and he also has a son who's a wrestler and a couple of viral memes of his son jumping off the balcony of a of a, uh, of a of a of a mall to like in a match they had against each other, I believe, or as a tag team. There's a lot of Luke Hawks is a long and storied history.
3: Yeah, even the background wrestlers, like there was one woman who who comes out, marches out with all the others, who I think goes by Artemis. She's uh, involved in British wrestling. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. doing some just deep Googling on the background characters and and all of the like, even if they're not actually called upon to wrestle, even if they're just sort of the muscle, they're just standing there. They are apparently legitimate, experienced people. Right. So yeah. the, the show is is going the extra mile, I think, when it comes to the authenticity.
1: Luke Hawks also, I believe, played Stone Cold Steve Austin on The Young Rock in the flashback mm-hmm. scenes, just for the record. But he's he's around a lot. So yeah, there's they have a crew. They have a good crew, and then so the and then of course they're they're beating down Jack, getting back to the story, and then the condemned comes in, makes the save. He and Jack, back to back, try to fight off all the all the dystopians, and then the lights go out. And when the lights come back on, everybody's everybody Jack and Ace are gone, and mysteriously hiding under the ring now, as we soon mm-hmm. quickly find out. Uh, and all the other dystopia guys are gone, are, are down, taken out, except for Gully and Crystal. Um, so Gully gets to stand tall at the end and say, Jack, Spade, wherever you are, this is not, this isn't over. And, uh, Crystal says, dystopia of her life. And then, you know, we cut to the brothers under the ring talking about needing to pee. So, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> did I get everything? What was the, what was the highlight? I mean, we can go ahead and jump to the, jump to the awards. I don't want to speak for you, but that whole last act what? was, was the culmination of so much up to this point. Mm-hmm. Is that the main event? I mean, if I guess if you can if you if you can shoehorn in the, the continuum social media aspect of it that comes after that, I guess that's that that's certainly like the big point. The, I mean, the, the big climax of this episode. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And because we were watching it in real time, like we were just at home in the FWD audience or just sitting in the arena. I guess maybe the production values of FWD make that possible, where you feel like you sh- you could actually be watching that show as opposed to DWL, which is a bit more amateurish. But yeah, I was just Whoa. sitting back and and watching to see what came next. And very forgiving of Gully to still give Crystal the, s- the signing bonus after she slapped him and called mm-hmm. him a bottom feeding maggot. <laughs> it's just just. Not I think usually. that was all
1: part of the plan. I think yes. what's most stunning about this whole scene, this whole sequence, to me is that. I think, as a wrestling fan and a wrestling fan who's watched a lot of movies and TV shows about wrestling, you would think that dramatizing wrestling would make it somehow less make the stuff that happens in the ring, the actual wrestling show, less compelling, less believable. You know, you know that you're watching a product now, like twice removed, but somehow. Because of the fact that we don't know what's going to happen, and we know all the drama surrounding it, but like it's still all a mystery, it's somehow more compelling. This sequence felt felt like more compelling than if it had just happened on a wrestling show, right? I don't. There's it, I don't, it's hard to put into words, but somehow they reversed the equation and made this whole thing just so gripping.
3: Yeah, because it's working on two levels for us, because we're interested just on the superficial spectator level, like anyone who's watching this match. But then also, we know all the behind-the-scenes stories. We know all these characters. We've seen their home lives now, so we know what's at stake for them. So we can appreciate it on multiple levels, I think. And and also, I mean, it's just... I love when when Jack comes out and just embraces his heel persona, just tells the crowd, shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Just shut Shut up. Love that. Love, uh, the condemned swinging in like at some point he's going to have to do more than just zipline in and stand there looking. Oh, sting,
1: did it, sting did it for like 18 <laughs> months. Like it was yeah. t- it's, it's, it, it's
3: totally doable. Now it's, it's reminding me of uh, Tim Robinson in the third season of I think you should leave in the, the sketch where he's like on a fake back bacheloresque show and he just wants to keep using the zipline over and over again. So that's the vibe I'm getting from the condemned right now. Have you but- seen
1: Tim Robinson's pro wrestler promos? Yes. <laughs> he's if you haven't seen that, go search that out on Google. It's really he's like the worst pro wrestler ever. It's it's just it's it, I can't describe it without ruining it. Just go watch it.
3: Yeah. So I'm I'm intrigued. I, I wanna see more from this character other than just sort of standing there glowering. It it's interesting. Ace has one of those moments where he's uh, he's at the church gathering, right? And he's grabbing his junk, forgetting for a second that he's in polite company. But but also when he gets the compliment from their high school principal who says that he enjoyed <laughs> the show where The Condemned debuted, he says, it's weird having people actually like you, which is, again, one of those like very, you know, heartstring tugging lines with Ace, yeah. very poignant where you, you feel for the guy. Also though, people in Duffy, loved him for a while right when he was ace the face he was walking around as like the big
1: man yeah but I th- maybe he means actually like you uh, when they don't when it's not sort of an obligation right like choosing to like you
3: right and also playing a character who he feels like is more true to who he actually is than just the the face and the hero right because the condemned is kind of a reflection of who he actually yeah feels with a he tweener is.
1: with a tweener you the fan get to decide whether or not you're going to cheer boo Right? right. So maybe mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that complexity to it that he yeah. appreciates. Yeah. So we speculated at the beginning of
3: the season, even though Jack was so resistant to collaborating with FWD, would he embrace that? And, you know, he's so resistant to going to their place and to having Ace there. But at the end, he's thrilled with the way this went over. Right. He's crowing about it as he's hiding there under the ring. And now that this continuum situation has come up, If Brooks Rizzo likes these two leagues in tandem playing off one another, then I mean, as resistant as Jack was even to doing a cross promotion with Gully, will he be at all receptive to outside investors, to being acquired if Continuum says we like you, we want to infuse some cash here, but also we want you to get in bed even more with Gully and FWD. Is he going to resist that? And then does that change if he finds out about the real financial situation of the DWL, right? Because the way that Willie and Stacy left it, when Willie said, we're all honest till we're not, now the onus is on Stacy to tell Jack or not because now Stacy knows what's going on here. She doesn't know every detail, but she knows there's some shady stuff. So she has to decide, do I tell Jack about it? And if not, she's kind of implicated in the deception too, but she's got to be hesitant to tell Jack about it because she knows everything else that he's dealing with and how stressed he is constantly. Is he even going into the, the lawnmower sales place anymore? It seems like he's just fully consumed by the DWL these days. So if she does tell him at some point, you know, if Jack's like, hey, they want to invest in us, but this is our thing. I want to build it up. You know, his typical Jack Spade thing.
1: Well, it's an interesting question because today, and I mean that in the show, as they're under the ring celebrating, it would be the easy, it would be the, the best time ever to ask Jack if he was interested in that sort of business arrangement, right? Because he's just seen not just the success of it, but also the success of like, as long as he keeps writing as well as he can write, then he gets to be in charge of the creative direction of the entire thing of everybody's operation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of his fear was messing with his dad's legacy, but also losing control. And we've seen those walls coming down. He's, he's deferring to other people, but he's also shown what can happen. If he, if he, if he kind of bets on himself, right. You give up, you give up the, op- it's this possible, that this Florida dystopia wrestling, you know, could go, could just be Could just be a, a disaster, yeah. And people could stomp all over you and demand things from you that you camp off. But it, but it turns out if he's as good a storyteller as he can be, then everything he gets exactly what he wants in the in the deal, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of shows I mean, that that parallels a lot of other characters in the show. Um, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll talk more about that. Uh, all right. So anyway, let's get let's get back to the awards. World champ. Who is the who is the MVP of this episode? It's tough, but I, I think I'm going to go with
3: Willie just because Willie had two just huge scenes, right? I mean, where she gets to kind of chew the scenery. The first one with with Crystal, where she gets her comeuppance a little bit and she's like, all right, I, I see you, right? You stand up for yourself. Then she plays the pivotal part in directing how the FWD match is going to go. She's the one who suggests why don't we give them Crystal instead of the Condemned. And then she gets that great just, you know, tooth and nail just at each other's throats almost, almost this uh, buried tension here just simmering under the surface showdown with Stacy, right? Which is probably not the last that we've seen of that, but she just gets her back up there and she's just snapping at her, right? So... I think just given the acting showcase and the, the part she played in the creative direction of, of the finisher here,
1: got to hand it to her. I don't disagree with any, anything you said, except the got to hand it to her part. I'm giving mm-hmm. the I'm giving the title today to Crystal. And right. I think it's, it. the usage wasn't way up, but when she was there, just kind of like with Willie, it was incredibly significant. She was part of that parking lot brawl conversation. Uh, we got to see her interact both with Ace and with, with Bobby, who she solidified the relationship with, or DTR, I guess the the was the old the old term. Um, that was pretty wonderful. We got to see her with her mom, which is a little mm-hmm. bit of a, you know, a, li- a little, a, it's a little bit of a, you know, a, a, an easy one. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a it, that goes. That's like the the flag waving scene in a movie or something. You know, it's a, it, it tugs at the heartstrings. It's doing its job. Um, but I appreciate that about her. But then the big thing was at the end. We had Gully actually say, okay, she's good in the ring. Let's see see how she is as a promo. Uh, And and she grabbed the microphone, and and she was great. She tore the house down. Mm -hmm. So this was her real moment to shine, both in the ring and and in the story. So uh, it's a close one, but I'm giving it to Crystal.
3: Good call. Yeah, I I would have thought she'd already demonstrated her promo skills because we've seen her do that before, and certainly the crowd has been behind her. But I guess she's got to keep
1: proving herself wherever she goes. She does. Jesse, do you wanna do you wanna cast a tiebreaker on that one?
0: (laughs) Sure. I'll I'm actually gonna go with Crystal too, just because of how brilliant I thought she delivered that promo. You said she kind of has to prove herself time and time again. I kind of didn't think of that until you said it. So it kind of like made me think, okay, maybe not Crystal. But I like that the way it ended, the way she kind of handled herself, how she sold Gully and the crowd on like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm Duffy for life. And then all of a sudden, she just, you know, smacks Jack with the chair. Like, that can't It brought me back to The Shield when, you know, was it Seth Rollins hit yep. uh, Roman Reigns with the chair? So I kind of thought of that, and I think that just kind of solidified me because that was... I, I didn't see it coming. So that's why I think I, I would give the nod to Crystal over Willie. But Willie would have been my my second choice because of all that. And because, like I said, I think there's... She's... Her hands are... Everywhere that we don't know, and I think she's she's kind mm-hmm. of up to something. And I think that her hooking up with Brooks, you know, or talking with Brooks at the end of the episode, it's it's going to lead to some kind of uh, complications. I think between her oh, and Jack's sure. re- partnership mm-hmm. and relationship when it comes to the D.W.L.
1: Jesse, the your metal briefcase full of cash for agreeing with me is waiting outside your door right now. So uh, <laughs>
0: perfect, perfect.
1: <laughs> next, uh, we the next award is the uh, holy shit moment. What was your favorite scene? Uh, The bit or the the most holy shit scene in this whole episode, Ben.
3: I mean, I guess it's the main event was the main event this Mm -hmm. time, right? We've just already sung the praises of that scene and the turnabout and the betrayal. So I guess just Crystal hitting Jack
1: with the folding chair, everything that ensued after that. I agree. And I think in a more sort of abstract way, the fact that the show was able to pull it off without us expecting it right mm-hmm. i mean we talked about last week how the condemned ace ace made his return to the company and they just didn't give us any indication of that until he showed up in the ring right mm-hmm. we were in the position of the of diego what he was complaining about you don't kayfabe the boys well now we're we're the boys at this you know like we're getting kayfabe we got kayfabe again this week really bad and i think that that sort of to be able to do that in this show without us even realizing that there's something going on that we don't know about Mm-hmm. I think is a is a pretty a pretty cool high wire act. I totally agree with you on that. one.
0: Even on the second rewatch, I was trying to pay attention to see though some kind of tell to Crystal's heel turn and there really wasn't. Willie's conversation with Crystal could have maybe construed as a possible heel turn, heel turn or at least going that way, but because it came out the context of Willie telling Jack, you know, to send Crystal, I don't think it was portrayed or you're meant to see it as like okay she's going over there to the heel turn she's she's originally just going over there to face the female talent and i think the fact that you know it was so beautifully done where we're watching it and we're expecting jack and crystal to kind of maybe team up against gully at the end but in the end it's just crystal backstabbing jack that you know i didn't see coming I loved this
1: episode, man. I just, I don't know why, if I was in a particular mood, but I I enjoyed this episode from beginning to end in a way just more than I have some of the previous ones. And I love every episode of this show. I was just so entertained by this one. All right. Um, the gimmick. Small choice that made you happy in this week. I'm just going to go ahead and go with mine. Uh, I alluded to it earlier. But, well, we can run the audio of this one. It's just the two-line exchange between Jack and Ace in The Office when Ace is he had previously said, I'm not gonna go to dystopia. And then he agrees to go, basically has to talk Jack into it. Say this is for the, be- the good of the company. And Jack's reflecting on the situation they're in are room with Gully and Jack says, we're really fucked. And he says, ah, no, we're not. It's just wrestling, which they <laughs> thought is just so simple and so profound.
2: Fuck Gully, I'd rather go down in flames. I don't want you to go down in flames. I don't want us to go down in flames. Besides, Flames is the sort of situation that Condam's trying to steer away from anyway. <laughs> we really are fucked. Nah, not really. It's just wrestling.
3: And in that scene, you see how their relationship has solidified, too, where Jack is the one now protecting Ace's character and Ace is, is volunteering to sort of, you know put himself at the mercy of, of everything and saying, I will sacrifice this character for you. I mean, this is a, a brotherly bond now for the first time that we've seen. I guess I always try to shout out just the laugh lines in the show, because again, the show is really funny. It so makes funny. me laugh. It's very clever. And we focus mostly on the drama and the plot and some of the character stuff but it's just a really funny show so i mean you know you had the the check for people's line which is funny but oh also probably depressingly true and then you have like you know a couple bobby pin lines i mean he's sort of on the sidelines but You know, after the condemned appearance, he says, as a reporter, I'm supposed to ask questions. And Willie says, during the show, show's over, dummy. Right. And then also when you hear Bobby being sort of proud that he could tell that it was Ace there. (laughs) And Crystal's like, yeah, I I think you were supposed to know that it was Ace there. Or even like Gully's uh, Greek chorus sidekick cousin. Oh, I love this. Thanks. Now I got to ride home with him. Yeah. That was a great line. Or, you know, Jack and, and Ace under the the ring and Jack saying he's got to take a piss and Ace just saying, just go here, I'll move, right? Just so much. But I think maybe my my favorite little touch that I had to freeze frame and and look at, every time we get an establishing shot of the FWD arena, you see the marquee and there's a little tagline there, a little text that they're using to sort of sell the next show and and pull people in. And one of them said pain is the antidote for despair. And then the other one said, there is no meaning to life. Live to die. So that's <laughs> that's that's the aesthetic that you're getting from FWT. That's what they're kind of cultivating here. It's it's very much the opposite of, I think, what is supposed to be the life-affirming message of the DWL. So strange bedfellows here, but it's turning into a, a pretty symbiotic relationship. I did have uh, two more points just, I, I guess, related to Bill. First is that Bill's speaking patterns now, I, I don't know if you ever watched The Walking Dead, but he, he speaks like Eugene from The Walking Dead now, <laughs> where he says like, you know, 10 sentences for, for every one that he has to say. It's like he, he's running all this stuff through thesaurus.com before he speaks. Everything's alliteration. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he got the vocabulary that he did coming out of Duffy, whether he has the MFA or what. But Bill, I feel like, has gotten more and more florid in his language, which I guess, you know, kind of true for multiple characters. Obviously, Gully, certainly a a theatrical cat here, prone to some grand speeches. The other thing related to Bill is Diego, right, which was sort of a subplot of this episode, felt. A, a little surprising to me that uh, he was feeling so snubbed by by Wild Bill so quickly. I mean, how long has this Wild Bill and now Wild Bill and Diego Cottonmouth podcast been going on? How many episodes have they done? Like three or four? I mean, it's been it's been a couple of weeks that they've had this and thing. Most, in operation, yeah. right? Yeah. And Bill is is the headliner here. He's the Hall of Famer. I feel like Diego's getting pretty good exposure from from being the I think was, slash I, conversation I, I,
1: partner. I was confused. I was confounded by that too, but then when I rewatched the show, you 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 it puts a whole new There's spotlight on the fact that There's subtle
0: things that well, Diego, Diego does. Diego, Diego is the see. one who's
1: really mad in the locker room at the beginning of the show. Yes, And and, right. and he's not mad I mean he's mad at everybody, but but it's but it's it's Wild Bill who is in the ring leading the leading the chant and he comes backstage and he's and this is someone who he's now thinks it's his dear friend, right? They're spending all this time together, and whether or not Bill was in on it, who knows? But like the idea is that the, there's still there's still a barrier between me and the people I'm so close to. Mm-hmm. I'm being left out of the loop. So I think that's what fed into his his breakdown with Bill, because you're right. they haven't done enough episodes of the show. I don't think social media has had sufficient time to <laughs> jump on the Diego bandwagon, you know <laughs> right. but maybe maybe like mm-hmm. the 12 guys in his mentions are are, are, are
0: hyping him up make yeah. him think he deserves better. Mm-hmm. He's doing the the worst thing as a produce podcast producer. You're trying to become the host. Come on, just be, just be the producer. I get it, Diego. I get it, but you the, know, there, the there are roles in wrestling this. Wrestling and and Jesse
3: Lopez show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um all right. Last we got the angle spinning it forward. Is there anything we haven't talked about about where this is going to go? Obviously, the the continuum, social media, acquisition is the big question now moving forward. It's not just about can you know DWL and FWD coexist? We saw tonight that they can. Immediately as they put that to bed, now we have a bigger question. What do you think? Is is the is the continuum thing the top line storyline of the rest of the season? What do you what's your guess? I
3: could see it all
1: backfiring
3: and collapsing and falling apart, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty big thing to track here. But again, I think it's interwoven with everything else, with uh, Jack's just reluctance to surrender control, but increasing willingness to do so, whether it's basically having a writer's room now or finding a way to work with Gully, albeit under duress. But there's the fact that he doesn't exactly know what it is that he owns here. So as we discussed, I I think the stuff that Stacy and Willie talked about, that's going to come out because if Brooks is doing due diligence on a potential investment here and he finds out that the DWL is doing under the table cash deals just to remain viable and pay the lease and the property taxes on Mm -hmm. the dome, I mean, that could be something where, you know, Jack finds out about that along with everyone else and is just uh, floored and gobsmacked by that. So I think hopefully it's all building up to the point where That won't be something that came completely out of left field to disrupt everything. It it will work in tandem with what we're learning about the DWL and its history with the FWD crossover and and collaboration, because maybe Continuum's interested in the two as a package deal with the fact that they just want to get out of Duffy and they want to be big. And Jack's been trying to increase his production values and reach a larger audience like this is this is it you know the, the carrot that's been dangled in front of him his whole life it seems to be closer than ever but that would be great if, and, jack,
1: and, if jack was totally on board and he had to, like the the total role reversal of jack being like guys you told me i needed to look for more input and they're offering right. me a writer's room like yeah. you know this is <laughs> i get to move to hollywood this is gonna right. be great yeah um, yeah, but I, I don't. I don't foresee that happening. It'll be super no. interesting to see where they go with it. And like I said, I mean, this show, this episode totally caught me off guard. And I think it, it, a lot of it was that when I first, when they first mentioned it, when it was Gully's daughter, they came in and said, "Hey, you got a message from the social media company." Yeah. I was just like, "Oh, this is dumb." And then by the end, I'm just like, "Yes, there's yeah. a, outside. <laughs> this is like, this is like the you know the new season of Westworld is here, and the villain wasn't who you thought it was. It's the mayor <laughs> corporation that owns the villain. You know, like it's it, it's it's just." exactly what this show needed just a little like a raising the stakes resolve yeah. some stakes, or give us an eye towards some stakes being resolved but let's just get some more stakes going too
3: yeah yeah the universe of heels is is growing larger and i i just i hope the show gets a long enough rope to be able to to deliver on the story that it's setting up to tell here i totally agree
1: well thank you so much for doing this ben lindberg uh mm-hmm. you want to promote anything on the way out the door uh, you can just uh, catch me doing my Ahsoka recaps weekly now, midweek at the
3: oh, ringer.com yeah. and popping up on the Ringerverse podcast, House of R, also to talk about that. So that's our new focus over in the, the nerd culture arena. How was episode one? Pretty solid. Yeah. Two-part premiere, definitely for the, the diehards like me who have a history with the animated Star Wars shows, but a lot of lore, a lot of uh, compelling groundwork laid. I love lore.
1: All right, well, thank you for doing this. Thank you to our producer, Jesse Lopez. Thank you to all of you for listening. I'm glad you're watching Heels. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Rest in peace, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda. Yes. Um, Shocking loss. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about that on the other shows in the Ringer Wrestling Show feed. Uh, We'll see you back here next week.